Welcome to Long Takes, a new podcast from ScreenCrush.com. I'm Erin Whitney, senior editor with Screen Crush, coming at you from New York City. And I'm Britt Hayes, associate editor with Screen Crush, coming to you from Austin, Texas. Long Takes is a new podcast where we're going to dive into deep discussions around controversial topics, representation of women and minorities, diversity issues, all the stuff that inspires lots of hot takes on Twitter and social media, everything relating to film and TV. This week, we're discussing Paul Verhoeven's L. Isabelle Huppert plays Michelle, a video game developer in France who is sexually assaulted in her home and has a very unusual reaction to the attack. This week on our first episode, we're joined by Rob Hunter, the chief film critic from Film School Rejects. Hello. So we could just dive into this. Um, and I guess before we start talking about the movie, I just want to say a quick content warning. We are going to be talking about sexual assault as it relates to the film and a quick spoiler alert that we're going to be talking about everything that happens in L. So if you haven't seen it, be sure to check it out in the theater first. And if not, then you have been warned. I've seen this movie twice and I love it, but I did have some complex feelings about the ending and about the the third act, but I think I appreciated them a little bit more going into it the second time. So I'm kind of, I'm excited to talk about that here and just sort of unpack all of it. But um, what was your guys' reaction to the movie? I, I, like you, I've seen it twice now. Um, I feel like I felt kind of the same same about it both times. Um, I didn't really have any complex feelings. I mean, my, my complex feelings definitely didn't have to do with any of the sexual assault scenes, but rather like basic narrative and dramatic stuff, especially with like her family life. Uh, I think the second time around, I had somehow an even more positive reaction to it. And maybe that's just in the context of current election. What about you, Rob? I, I feel like I, I, I need to see it a second time. And um, even though I don't have the love for the film that you both do. Um, when I walked out of it, this is a couple months ago, I saw it at a festival, and I, I haven't really stopped thinking about it, but I also haven't really found myself kind of settled on, even though it's been a couple months, I haven't quite settled on a what I would consider to be a kind of like a finished uh, opinion of it. And so I've been wanting to see it a second time because I parts of it are problematic to me. Um, I, like Britt said, I mean, not necessarily the parts that potentially would be problematic to some people, but the ending is 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 trouble for me. I, I basically have to look at the movie a few different ways, and only one of the ways really works for me. And I think I have to do some kind of you know forcing to to, to make it work for me, even at, even in that uh, category, if that makes sense. I mean, to me, it works as a black comedy, and that's where it works best. Uh, beyond that, I have I'm having trouble. Is it the so I guess it's the it's the third it's the final twist in the movie that's sort of the most uh, the jarring part where um, I guess we could just talk about it here. She uh, eventually, after being attacked by someone, Michelle finds out that her attacker is her neighbor, someone who she's been um, sort of developing a romantic relationship with, and um, she starts to develop feelings for him even after she finds out that it's her that, that he's her rapist so I think that's a lot of the what catches people off guard that's what caught me off guard that she still continues to sort of pursue him and just doesn't react in the way you typically would assume a woman to react after finding out who her attacker is I think that's the part that I struggled with and still kind of am not sure how I feel about but I think the second time I saw it I started to see a lot of connections between her attacker and her father and we learn that her father is um, uh, a murderer, and he he killed a whole bunch of children. I think it was how many years ago? Um, like uh, twenty years ago. It had to be a little more. Wasn't wasn't she yeah. a young child when it right. happened? Yes, it was like thirty years ago. 
Yeah, so it was a while ago. And but so- I think I, I'm just going to say I, I think that 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 to me was kind of an interesting thing, and, and it's one of the reasons I wanted to watch it again is because it feels like like that part to me that involving the the father in in some ways feels kind of disconnected, like it doesn't fully um, you know belong in this story. But when I when I do you know give give it more thought and work on it, the best I can come up with for me is. is that that's kind of a, a way to kind of explain her kind of desensitized uh, attitude about about relations and uh, you know human interactions, and so it, it, for me it, it kind of explains that, and then that itself then goes on to inform you know her her reaction to the assault. I um, I would say but that I, I, I don't get more of that. I, I would say that I agree and disagree with both of you uh, to an extent. I think it's important. The context I think is important that she works like she's the head of a video game developer with her friend, and that's a job that entails a lot of like exploiting women visually. I mean, we see scenes where the the animated character is being raped and penetrated by a monster and. I think it's also important to note that like she's a very powerful woman who already has agency. And so for me, I mean, the relationship with her dad and where that figures into it, I've, I've seen people talk about how, oh, it, it could be a film where we're seeing a, a woman basically come to accept the fact that she's a sociopath. And I think that that's a really easy reading because it puts a lot of the onus on her father. And it's a really reductive way to um, analyze a female character. And I think Verhoeven puts that there intentionally, almost like to be misleading thematically. Because I think that, you know, Rob's onto something with that she's been desensitized. I don't know that it's necessarily being desensitized, but I think that it's like she's already been a victim once in her life. And because of that, she's had to be strong and resilient. So no, she's not going to react to being raped or sexually assaulted the way that most women would or the way that we think most women would or should. Like she's, like many women I know, she has been victimized before. So that breeds a certain sort of strength and um, she views it in a different way. I mean, as for like pursuing him, her, her rapist romantically, Again, like, you know, if you take into account, like, her background with her father, her job, which shows us how powerful she is and how, I guess, almost, like, obsessive she is about control. I mean, she exercises control in everything. For me, it's it's not that she's re- developing romantic feelings for him. It's that she's attracted to what she sees as almost a game, like a, a sex game between the two of them. It's a power game. And it's like, then it becomes like almost any um, dominant submissive relationship where the person that is the submissive typically, despite what something like 50 shades of gray tells us typically has the actual power. Like they're the ones who say when, and so for her, she's found someone who can um, take control over her in a way that nobody else has. I mean, I'm not saying that it's like an endorsement of anything. I'm not saying it's an endorsement of rape. I'm not even saying that the movie is saying that like. I, I think that's, yeah, I think that's where like, I, I, I kind of I kind of am with you on some of that. But I feel like when I step away from the movie and think, OK, now what is the, the, the end point of this movie? Not that every movie has to have one, but, you know, what, what is the takeaway here? Besides just that I was entertained, you know, by, by this, this, this you know, absurd comedy. When I do that, I'm, I'm kind of stuck trying to find a way to connect the dots in a way that is in any way uh, positive towards women. Now, I mean, it, you know, there's the, the basics of obviously the assaults. I mean, she, I understand that she's taking control. And to your point about she kind of turns it into a game and all that. And then even the stuff earlier with her father, everything... It feels to me, again, I've only seen it once, so this all may change after a second viewing, but um, it feels to me like all of these uh, determining factors in, in her life, all the things that actually you know, force her hand, 
do come, uh, you know, are, are, are instigated by a male. Now, whether it be when she was a child with her father, whether it be you know, with this assault, and now she's, you know, you know kind of like a, you know, smacked out of her shell of, of always being in control, but it's still at the hands of a man. Um, even her son, she kind of, I know she's, she's her, her, her kind of grasp on the whole motherly thing is also incredibly strong that I don't think we would see if this was like a daughter character. Like it feels like it's specifically to a son character. Um, and so all these things seem to be more like reactionary towards what she's gotten from men as opposed to something coming just you know organically out of her. And I think, and so I, I can't, I can't make the, make the jump to it being, you know, this, you know, postmodern feminist film or that, that kind of stuff because I don't feel like it has, um, that that core to it where, where it's not unless 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 it's feminist to say that you know she's choosing to be um you know only reactive or, or inactive except for how she responds to to these male influences and that and that to me is where, i guess like, like kind of the core of what i'm kind of struggling with it to, to do, make any more of it other than just being again an entertaining comedy i feel like for me where the the feminist thread came through or post-feminist or whatever label you want to put on it was in the final act when she's in the basement with um, the neighbor and the moment where he's about to slap her and she says, do it. And he sort of like holds his hand in the air and he's like, uh, I think he says, um, it doesn't work that way or it can't work that way. And to me, like that was the, the switch where I saw it, especially the second time more so, where she sort of steals back the gratification of violence and sort of steals back this um, satisfaction that he gains from the assault and it becomes hers. And to me, that was turning this like violent act by a male on a woman into something that was her own and using it for her benefit. And then she, and then she gets off on it and he, if you sort of like look at the reaction on his face as she's as she's touching herself on the floor, it's just sort of this look of horror. And that to me, the second time was like even stronger that this is like now she's in control. And while it may look like I don't know, while it may look like she's sort of endorsing it or allowing him to, it's it's such a fine line because it. it, it I know it's not saying it, but it, it comes so close to saying that no sometimes means yes. You know, you know what? Does that is, you know? What I mean, I mean the fact that she's because he's not in on the fact that she's getting off on it until she you know says that right that, that she's aware of it. She's you know she's letting it happen by that. She's she's you know basically courting another attack from this person. He's not aware of any of that. So to him, it's still an assault on, on his end. Whereas she's kind of open to it. But again, not that it needs to have this message, but it, it's such a sliver line between saying you know just what it is, but then also that in this woman's case, you know she, she ended up because I mean there's a whole subgenre of, of of these just you know stupid you know poorly written things by men you know in, in both you know mainstream film as well as like kind of just like you know obscure Japanese stuff where the woman is attacked and then like you know partway through the attack you know shifts into you know visibly enjoying enjoying it you know and so there's a whole culture to that. And even though this is obviously far more nuanced, you know, take on it and far more literate, it's it's to that point. It comes down to it, where, where it's it's again, it's just so so such a sliver line, so close to saying that you know, in this woman's case, she was assaulted, but for her, you know, it, it worked. She she turned it into a positive, not in like a way of becoming like a, a victim and recovering from that, but the actual assault itself, she found a thrill from it. So it's like it works as kind of like an exploitation, but. Um, I'm stuck on it. <laughs> I have to. I mean, I really, I really disagree. And I can see, I can see so easily how it could be perceived that way. And I think that's something I've been worried about the entire time is that people are going to see it as something close to an endorsement, if not that, you know. And and it's not. Uh, to, to be clear, I, to be clear, I don't believe it is, but I feel like it. It, exactly. it, it comes close. Yeah. Yeah, but I, you know, I think like you know, you think it comes close, and I think it's easy for other people to watch it and think that it just completely 
endorses it. And I think that there are really cogent arguments to be made on all sides. But I think the thing, I mean, like a really simple, if you want to describe the film in any sort of reductive way, a really simple way to do that can be, here is a woman who's uh, having a midlife crisis and the instigating event of that midlife crisis just so happens to be sexual assault. And it's not like a general midlife crisis, it's like a midlife sexual crisis or awakening, you could say. But I think Aaron's right in, um, in, in saying that, you know, that, that, that final attack or that final interaction that they have is really Isabel Huppert, like taking, like taking the satisfaction from that guy. I mean, it's really incredible. Aaron's explanation of that is, I think, spot on. It's, um, I, guess, I, I don't. I don't disagree with that, and I think that it is in the two performances in in that scene. I think make it, you know, it kind of kind of hit you with that that you realize this is what's happening. But I, uh, and and I and I get that. And there's there's another there's a kind of like a a pattern to that as far as I mean, you've got other instances, other types of things, where you kind of you reclaim mostly it's a you know verbiage, but you rec- you know different segments of society will reclaim um, you know, terminology or behaviors to kind of empower it and make it their own. Basically, and, and then in that way, it kind of minimizes what the oppressor was trying to do with it, you know. Um, but in this case, she does that. He's obviously put off by it because this is no longer the thrill he's looking for. But we're still um, we're still stuck with the fact that well, okay, but she's still being raped. So yes, yeah, she 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 spun it, and now you know she kind of threw it back in his face that well, I'm actually enjoying this, so therefore, you know, you don't control the situation. But it's still a rape. I mean, even if it's just from his point of view, it was still a rape. And so to turn it, I mean, it's maybe it's the smallest of victories, but I, I feel like it's, I don't know, I, I, I just keep coming back to like it, it, these various elements kind of build to a head and then just for me kind of disconnect from what I can do with it. I don't know what to do with it at that point as far as I don't feel like it fully succeeds. Like I feel like I understand and I have an idea of where it's trying, what it's trying to say and where it's going, but I, I just don't feel it makes that final uh, step over the line to kind of seal the deal of, of its point or of its uh, its theme. I don't. I just don't know that it needs to have. I mean, I'm of of the thinking for many films, and I just don't. I don't know that it needs to have a definitive statement. I don't know that it needs to definitively say say something in terms of like black or white. I mean, because it is such a nuanced film, because it is complex, because life is complex, because human emotion is complex, because we hold competing ideas and beliefs simultaneously all the time. I just think that it's. I think that there's something that is in our human nature that requires an answer, especially from our art, because we don't have those answers. But I, I think that, you know, if, if if Verhoeven had essentially come out through the film and said, like, you know, no, this is wrong, this is bad. I mean, like, no, like, we're all adults. We know that sexual assault is wrong. I don't need Verhoeven to tell me that. Like, I don't need Isabel Huppert to tell me that. I don't need her cat to tell me that. Like, I can, I can see it for myself. <laughs> but it's just like, Here's a woman who is like, you know, very much a, like for lack of a better term is she's a control freak. I mean, like, that's not a bad thing. I think that the same qualities that she possesses and um, and shows us uh, are usually respected more in men than they are in women. But she's someone who is obsessed with the idea of control and like in the simplest terms, like she is sexually assaulted and it just so happens that the guy who rapes her happens to rape someone who is obsessed with control and finds a cathartic release in that experience. I agree with you about like the cathartic thing because I feel like like when I was watching this the second time, the first thing I wrote in my notes was that I wrote down like this is her story because it's just it's not like a movie that's about, you know, sexual assault for every single woman. Like this isn't, you know, a universal 
you know, it doesn't it's not a universal issue and it's not the universal reaction. Like this is very much this character's story. And I, I think the assault is so grounded in her background. And I think the first time I saw it, her whole, the, the background of her and her father sort of didn't connect to me to the assault. But the second time I started to just see those connections and how much that, like why this woman is in control, like why this woman, when she's watching the video game demo, she says, you know, the orgasm's too timid. You know, why, like that's very much a reaction from this character. So I think thinking about it in terms of who she is and that she, was a victim when she was a child and she still hasn't really come to terms with with what her father did to her and and what she was dragged into and and how the world viewed her because of it and i think that sort of grounds you for what happens after this assault and how she reacts to it and i don't know for some reason when i when i was watching it this time the second time i started to see her neighbor as sort of like a surrogate for her father and sort of she couldn't really you know uh, have any closure with him because you know she shows up and he's already killed himself, but I don't know. By by facing her her attacker, she's almost facing her father in a way that she never got to confront him for what he did. I don't know, that sort of helped me tie it together, I guess. That's an interesting way to look at it because I think it's really easy. And I've heard this, like I heard it uh, when I saw it in September. Like I've heard people talking, especially guys were saying he's just like sort of just blaming her behavior on her dad. But I think that that's a much more interesting way to look at how the relationship there informs her decision. And and yeah, I mean, like that's definitely part of the cathartic experience. I think for a lot of I don't I don't want to make blanket statements, but I think for some people who do uh, who who do engage in in submissive and dominant sexual relationships. The reason that the woman who, like, if the woman is being submissive, um, the reason why is generally because there's a catharsis to allowing yourself to be under a man's control, like, in this very specific environment. And, and what it is, is that because like, you're the one who has the control, like you have the authority, like you may be pretending that you don't, but like, ultimately you're the one who says like, this is not okay. And this is okay. And this is how this is going to happen. And so it's just kind of like playing a power game and it's taking something that we deal with in society every day into a completely different context. Like, I don't know. It's like, it's really interesting to me. So that's why I just thought, you know, I, I realized while watching it, even the second time is just like, you know, wow, like here's this person who's, you know, controls everything and controls all aspects of her life. And this guy that rapes her just like happens to <laughs> give her something that she never knew. I think, you know, it's also about perception. Like, yeah, in his mind, he's still raping her. I don't know what he's thinking when she starts pursuing him. Like, I don't know how he thinks that's supposed to go. Like, she's just going to keep fighting him off every time. Like, why else would she go to his house? <laughs> I don't know what he thinks, but I mean, like, but I don't know that we're supposed to know what he thinks. Like, this is all very much from her perspective. And from her perspective, this becomes a sex game that she's enjoying. And I think that that's like really incredible. I think that that's, um, I, I agree with two things that you guys both just said. One, that it's, it is specifically her story and everyone else is kind of just kind of like, you know, you know, circling her. Um, and then also to Britt's earlier point about that not all movies, you know, need to have a definitive, you know, and this means this, the end. You know, and I and I love ambiguous endings. I, I love things that kind of like leave discussing it afterwards. So that that to me in and of itself isn't the problem. Um, but with with that character, I, I think, and I, like like I said when we first started, I think that because my, my idea of looking at this movie is you know looking at it a few different ways. It's 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 in some ways an exploitation film. I think people call it like a rape revenge film, but I don't really think that applies. Um, so, but it has elements of that to it. Um, then there's the part that I'm not getting really, which is again the maybe the heavier meaning or, or the commentary or the you know the, the, the 
some of the more specific gender issues that are being discussed. Um, but where I do land and where it does work for me best is, like I said earlier, as strictly as a, a comedy of um, like a, of relationships, of manners. I mean, if you watch her behavior, I mean, even because there are sub sub you know subplots and other side characters going on around here that don't have anything to do with the with the sexual assault. And I think those are the elements that, to me, more inform her character, um, and also, I'll see more inform the film and make it make it a fuller, uh, you know, more entertaining. Which I it's weird using that word <laughs> for a rape film, but you know what I mean, um, film because th- these are the where you get to see her kind of interacting with people. Um, and now I don't always buy it. One of the, one of the problems I think I have with it too that I, that affects the the more serious elements is that I don't necessarily buy certain things. Some of her behaviors I don't buy. That that video game. I know this is such a minor thing, and, and you're just both gonna scoff here, but. Like in no way, shape, or form is that like a realistic video game. <laughs> and so, but both in the way, the degree of the sex that they're putting in there for any kind of big company, but also just the just the look of it. It, it it's it screamed like the idea of somebody's you know somebody's idea of a video game as opposed to a real one. So that to me was, it's it's again a minor false note. And maybe I'm a you know a, a geek for thinking about it <laughs> because of video games. But I just feel like that kind of also kind of knocked me out. And then some of her behavior towards other characters. But the core for me that works, like I said, is leaving aside this odd behavior is her interactions with everybody else, whether it be coworkers or her family. And then from there, I can take a step into like, okay, this, of course, this is how she's going to handle, you know, something like this, something like this assault. Um, because this is essentially her, uh, her persona, her character, and her, the way she interacts with everybody in general. So it, to me, it was kind of a more, it works better as a story about just her character in general, her interactions in general, her behavior, you know, communicating, you know, even at the most basic levels with those around her. Um, whether it be at work or at home, or, or obviously with this stranger busting in through her window, um, and then that again, like, I can then take that and like, everything else kind of falls into place. But trying to come at it from a more uh, serious or more like, thematically serious angle, um, I, I just can't connect because even even at the end, if you get to the end when it's you know everything's wrapping up, and this is what doesn't work as a, as a, a rape revenge film too, it's her son that comes in and kind of like ends you know this part of the story, you know by killing the attacker, right? So it's again one more instance where it's a man. A male character making like a resolve, like actually putting like a, a period at the end of something. Um, whereas again, this is what I was saying earlier that I think that she 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 doesn't have things that come you know organically out of her. She's either reacting to them from men, or she's you know again stopping them. The, the, the marriage ended. You know she she's making an effect on the uh, the son with his relationship, but she kind of goes along with whatever he wants to say, whatever he wants to do. He walks all over, and in the end, he's the one that you know quote unquote saves her, you know from the attacker leaving her kind of detached, I think, from any kind of actual um, action. She's kind of coasting through and riding through, doing it her own way in a very unique way. But it's not um, uh, it's, it's not action-oriented. Like I said earlier, it's, it's more a reaction to what the, the moves the men are making. I kind of felt I just that... rambled too long, sorry. No, that's, <laughs> that's fine. Um, I'm, I kind of thought similarly the first time I saw it because of the son who gets to sort of finish this for her. But the second time I... I don't know, I was sort of playing with the theory of, like, did she actually set this up? Like, did she tell the son to come home and didn't tell him why? Like, did she actually orchestrate this ending in a way that we didn't actually see? Which is an idea, maybe I'm playing with that because I want her as the woman to be the one that actually, you know, defeats him at the end and just uses her son as, like, the tool and the muscle to actually do it. But, I, I don't know, I'm, I've been kind of playing with that idea. Did, did you have, like, a perspective on that, Britt? Um, yeah, I mean, I do think that the first time I saw it, I was, I was a little disappointed, um, that it was her son that did it. I mean, but at the same time, it's just because it was like, oh, you know, here comes a man like saving a woman. But 
I think that that's really intentional. And I think that that's another, it's, it's sort of like a comment on, not really a comment almost, but I mean, given Verhoeven's tendency to satirize, I really do think that's like, you know, in every basic story or movie or whatever, the man comes in and saves the day. But this is a, a very different story. And what makes it different is that like, yeah, like that it, it bows to that trope. But we're left as the audience wondering what would have happened if they could keep going. Like, would he have killed her? Would she have killed him? Would they have found a way to compromise to both get what they want out of that relationship? Like, would she start faking? Like, would she start, you know, feigning? Yeah. Like, would they have like developed some sort of relationship based on that? I think that that's. I think it's really interesting. I think it's like, you know, on the surface, you could be like, oh, you know, like, here comes the man to save the day. But I really do think that, like, he's engaging in that trope for a reason, because I, I just think that he's just, like, sort of, like, following, you know, a, a pattern, maybe. I mean, it's, it's a trope, I think, in general. But I think, I mean, the movie, to some degree, again, to the point about some people calling it a rape revenge film, it, it sets up the idea that she's going to be the one to end it somehow, especially when you add in um, that, obviously, her, her her father had this, you know, uh, violent, you know, criminal uh, tendencies, and so you 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 have that combined with okay, she's been you know been attacked, and so a traditional um, rape revenge movie, she would then be the one to finish him, and so he's Verhoeven's already kind of you know screwed things around in that realm by making her uh, as far as far as her reaction to the whole thing, her her reaction to the whole attack and how she handles it, um, and so if anything, he then that's the trope that he would subvert is that he's then say, you know, kind of like puts the final nail in the coffin saying, well, this is not at all the rape revenge movie you were expecting. And I think that maybe that's part of it too. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll cop to like, I do my best to, to, to see every movie um, like a blank slate, but obviously there are always going to be elements of it that you're kind of, will set up some kind of preconceived notion. Um, and so going into a film with that kind of setup and the very little I had heard about it before I saw it, had that kind of idea to it that it was okay, you know, it was being framed as a, a rape revenge movie, is what everybody was, was calling it, just kind of an odd one. And so it has the expectation of that kind of subgenre, but then it doesn't follow through on it. And, and again, I'll, I'll, I'll cop to you as, as a viewer of a film, not getting what I thought I was going to get is, is enticing and I love it when it happens, but maybe I'm just not happy with what I got instead, as opposed to like, you know, sometimes something can surprise you and like, wow, I hadn't thought about this, it's great. Maybe I'm just not happy with where it decides to go because I don't feel it connects the dots. But you guys have made a very compelling argument for me seeing it a second time, which I was already considering. So that's maybe what I need to do. I'm also hesitant to call it a rape revenge movie. And I kind of hate when I see those headlines, especially when it's, Mm -hmm. you know, when when it's a review and someone's actually seen it and they're calling it that because, I mean, I don't really see any sense of revenge in, you know, the most basic sense of, of what revenge means in this movie, but more so that she just uses a violent attack for her own gain, in a sense, and in, in like this psychological, emotional catharsis to sort of, I don't know, come to terms with her past. So it's it's so it's so hard to describe. Like when I describe this to people, I I don't really know what to say. Like just she has this odd, unusual attack or odd, unusual <laughs> you know, response to an attack, and like you decide for yourself what it means. I guess is sort of where it leaves yeah. you. I think describing it as a rape revenge thriller, I mean, it's not even reductive. It's just inaccurate, like wholesale inaccurate. Like, and I have been cringing at like review headlines for like the last couple of months, just like, because it feels like they're just, it's like either they don't know how else to describe it or they're very purposely trying to like bait people because it's like Isabel Huppert tends to star in these kinds of films. And so 
maybe that's just an easy way. I don't know. But I mean, like for me, like the easiest way to describe it is just like, well, it's a darkly comedic and satirical thriller. (laughs) Um, I mean, like really, that's what it is. I mean, like it is, it's like, it's very satirical. It's very, like, it can be very funny. The girl that I sat next to with at Fantastic Fest when we watched it, like we were having just like the greatest time just laughing, cackling so loud. I mean, even the opening shot, like, I mean, because you hear, you, what it opens with is is noise. You hear her being assaulted before you see anything. And I think he very smartly chooses not to get graphic in that first assault. And instead, like, the first shot we have is of her cat watching it, just sort of, like, casually. And it's it's funny. Like, it's funny that, like, the first shot is of a cat. Yeah, it very much puts you kind of like off kilter. And then once the man leaves and she, you know, calmly gets up and, cl- and cleans up and goes about her day, it, it's, it's one of those things where you're, you're already kind of on edge from the audio. Then you were kind of teetering on the edge because, okay, now there's the cat watching it. But then seeing this reaction to it, 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 it does. I mean, I, I was laughing through it as well. And I, I mean, initially kind of like internally because I wasn't even sure if I was allowed to laugh. But um, <laughs> once, once I was like, this is clearly a comedy. Um, it, it works really well as one. And I will say, too, just as a quick thing to the um, thriller aspect, I, I, having, having seen the whole thing, having referring to it as a thriller, I think works for people who haven't, like to tell people that, for people who haven't seen it, um, because you don't want to give away, you know, obviously, other elements of it. But I think there's only really, like that first, for me anyways, the first act that really works, and it works really well, works as a thriller where you've got the, you know, the suspense. I guess it leads into the second act, too, of her trying to figure out who it is, you know, who's the assailant. And it's actually like a, a, a really solid jump scare in there. I, I'm, I, I pride myself on not reacting to those things, but th- this movie got me big <laughs> with that one window scene. That so, I mean, the there bird. are elements of it that work really well, you know, to, to, to keep you tense and, you know, to you know, kind of milk the suspense out of it before things turn even more absurd. I wonder if people should approach this movie knowing it's a comedy or if it should just be entered in this completely like blank slate, which is, I feel like how I entered it. But I don't really, I don't really know how to like, talk to people about it so I feel like it's just best if you just sort of approach it not knowing anything and then like have a visceral reaction and then sit with it maybe see it a second time and I feel like the seeing it the second time really helped me I, th- I think it's definitely I, mean, I think even as I walked away from it thinking about it I, I knew that okay I'm gonna need to see this again um, I was just surprised that a month later I was still thinking um, I don't know what to make of this I need to see it again I mean I just was it's, it's rare for a movie to I mean, it's, it's often I'll see a movie where I want to see it again, just just to see it again. But to actually feel like I need to see it again, um, because again, I, I know I, I, I like the movie quite a bit. Um, I, I just I just I, I'm able to go as far as as most everybody else in the world apparently <laughs> in my love for it. Um, but I, I do feel like I mean, I said even even as I walked out the first time, I do feel like okay, there there are you know kind of subtle you know character moments and expressions and you know uh, points that this movie is making that I I need to come back and, and kind of like see it again to kind of take more of it in so but i do agree that um i mean any movie this one especially is probably best to go into knowing just nothing beyond you know that hey it's a great director and a great lead actress that should be enough for you yeah i agree i think that like from from the moment this film was announced i was ready because a i'm a major paul verhoeven fan i think showgirls is the most misunderstood masterpiece of our time and I'm not kidding. Like, that is a very serious statement. And oh, it, coincidentally enough, I don't disagree with you, except for that rape scene in the showgirls. I think that is <laughs> one of the very few scenes that I will fast forward when I'm watching a movie. It's really brutal. Like, it's, yeah. still, it's still brutal. And it's kind of jarring because it doesn't fit with the the right. tone of the rest of the film. And, and, and not in a graceful way either. Um, 
But other than that, I think it's like incredible. But and so like that, and then Isabelle Huppert, and then the material, which you know, this is based on a Philippe Jean book who wrote Betty Blue. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, nice. Yeah. <laughs> so this was actually a book. And in the book, she is a television executive, not a video game executive. But Verhoeven is very visual. And I think that he made a, a good choice there because it also feels more modern. But um, anyway, so knowing who's directing it, knowing uh, that it's based on a very smart writer's book, and uh, knowing that Isabelle Huppert is in it. I mean, like, for me, like, I was just like, that's it. Like, I'm, I'm ready. Like, give me this movie because this, is, this sounds like peak Isabelle Huppert. <laughs> um, I mean, it's almost like, in a way, it's like when you watch, like, weird comparison. But when you watch, like, I Heart Huckabee's, it's like nobody else could play that role because it's it's like basically satirizing her own work. So I mean, for me, it's like for like this, it's like nobody else could do this role because it is almost like it's the rug that ties the room of her work together in a way. Like it's, I, I, it's I, yeah, I, I think if this same film was was being told by a different director and or a different lead actress, I, I think it would be a, a far clumsier, less successful uh, experience. Yeah, and the fact that it was almost set in Boston, I think, right? Yes, he wanted to originally. He originally wanted it to be an American film. I don't know why, considering the trouble he's had here. But like, he really wanted it to be in America, and they tried, and apparently they contacted several American actresses, right? And none of them would do it. They were just like absolutely. I read, I read that. I'd be curious to see who it was that he was trying to find, and who who had said no to it. I think Nicole Kidman was one of them. Is that right? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Though. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he asked like her and like Kate Blanchett. Like, those are the names that come to mind yeah. when I think. I'm like, like that's like those are the obvious choices. And he won't say, which I think is really graceful of him. But but it was also a, a matter of financing. Like, it was hard to get studios to back it here because of the content. Right. Yeah. So I feel like because yeah, of well, her, I, and I, I agree that because of her, like she wraps it together, and the fact that it's set in France just. I don't know, that little bit of like, maybe from an American perspective, but just like that distant quality and that it's like just has this very French approach to assault or, or, or to just to, to women and, and, and them being more in power than in America. Maybe that's just my yeah. ideal fantasy, but it just works somehow there. That was something I wanted to, I interviewed him the other day and that was something I wanted to ask him, but I just didn't get a chance to, was just like if he feels as though feminism is a regional thing. Mm. But when when he um, when he presented the film at the New York Film Festival, somebody in the audience during the Q and A after, and by the way, it was like a really odd time to have that screening. It was unfortunate because it was like three days after the the Trump tape leaked. Oh, that's right. Um, so it was. I know that there were some women there who did not like it, and I had wondered if maybe that had sort of colored their perception a little bit. Um, not to dismiss their actual reaction to it, but. Anyway, so somebody asked him if, if the film was feminist, and he said no. And so I had asked him about this because he's he's known for being provocative. And this is where I think he and, and Nicholas Winding Refn have a lot in common. is They both kind of basically troll their audiences. If you, you're going to ask him after a screening of this movie if it's a feminist film, he's like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> no. I mean, but that was the thing is that he explained to me that he had just always grown up believing that women were equal and that women were better than men and, and women were stronger. And, and these were just ideas that were like ingrained in him and he's from Holland. So that makes sense. But like in America, 
we don't ingrain those values in kids. I mean, like, I think we do more now, but we haven't enough. always. Yeah, and we still don't do it enough, but we haven't always. You know, there was a time when we just didn't. It was always just like, that's just the way it is. Women are weaker than men. That's just it. And so, like, feminism is a, ne- a necessary cause here. But I think in countries like France and most of Europe, it's not something that they really, you know, it's not a, it's not something that's as crucial to them because it's just like everyone just accepts that that's the way it is, like that women are equal. Yeah, I'm interested to see how uh, American audiences react to this in comparison to international audiences. I mean, because it's already been so, you know, debated just among critics. And that I remember the tweets from that New York Film Festival screening and people were pretty upset with it. So I'm very interested to see what happens. Yeah, it is curious to me to see people get upset with it. I mean, I mean, granted, I'm someone who doesn't understand people getting upset with any film, um, but uh, it could be because because its comedic elements are so clear. Maybe that's what offends some of them too. Maybe the mixing of the of, mm. of comedy, leaving her even her attitude and her, her reactions alone, the mixing of comedy with this topic, it might be enough, obviously, to to do it. But it's so clearly, um, to your earlier point, clearly a, a tale that I don't think would work in America. Um, I mean, regardless of, of an actress actually signing on to it, I, I don't think it would, the sensibilities that people have, um, the characters have, and it, it would be harder to kind of make those connections for American characters, you know, going through these same motions, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that. I think that even because of where we are politically right now, I think to me, the, the I mean, rewatching it again this week is just like, it becomes, it becomes vital for me. Because if you, I mean, if you just overlook not that you should, but I'm just saying, like, let's set aside the top, the specific topic of rape for a moment and look at the fact that this is a story about someone who has endured a lot in her life, who has become stronger for it, who has become, you know, she is a woman with agency, she's in control, she's, like, she's running a company, like, she's successful, and she's faced, you know, with, um, with someone who tries to victimize her, and she takes that victimization, subverts it, defies it like overtly defies it and takes control of it and turns it into something else. And I think like, just if you look at it in a very simple way like that, it becomes a really important story and an empowering story. And especially for a lot of women, I think, and, and marginalized groups right now to just see somebody take something so awful and turn it into something empowering. Like that's really impressive. Yeah. And just the way that the film finds comedy in that, not in, belittling or demeaning the act of, of sexual assault, but finding the comedy in someone's empowerment and, and their act of subverting it, I think, is what I love about it. So I, I, I hope that like that comes through to people and then it's not just dismissed immediately for this very like basic, simple viewing of her as a psychopath or you know her as just a, a victim viewed through the eyes of like a male director. Yeah, I mean... I- I don't know that anyone could have directed it better. I know we talked about maybe, you know, what, what it would be like if a woman had written and directed it. I think that it may have been a little, I don't know, it may have been more emotionally nuanced. I always think that women have a specific empathy or anyone who has more of a female energy or identifies as female that has a, a more specific form of empathy than men tend to be lacking in general. So I, I would be curious to see what that would look like, but I think that Verhoeven's sense of humor and the way that he satirizes, you know, social constructs and expectations and and he challenges those things. And I think that's what makes it funny is that it's it's doing things that we don't expect and then you wonder why you expect things to be the way that they are. So, you know, it makes you laugh, but then you know it kind of makes you think like, you know, well, why am I laughing? What did I expect? Wait, why did I expect that? 
I do think that, uh, to your point about empathy, I think it, if a more empathetic director, you know, male or female, w- was behind the camera on this. Um, I, I did read something that uh, Verhoeven said that it initially started out as um, a more, her, her, her character was, was a more serious take on it, but the actress herself actually started shifting things into a, a kind of blackly comic um, reaction, again, through her performance. And he said that they all just shifted with her and went with her on that. And I think if if someone was in charge of things who maybe valued in this regard empathy higher, they might have you know tried to put a kibosh on that because I, and I and I don't think that, that would have worked because her character in the film is not maybe this will just be my, my take on it but it's not a character that I, I, I see as being very empathetic, so, you know difficult to be empathetic with um, from from and I don't mean from her from the incident with the assault but just her reaction her behavior her attitude and the way she treats other people her best friend for example. Um, she's not character. She's not like a likable character in the, the common definition of the term. I like her because she's you know, entertaining and she's headstrong and she's you know um, funny, but she's not likable in the in the sense of you know uh, what a nice person. And I think if, if someone was trying to force uh, a softer hand or force a softer or more empathetic um, take on things, that it, 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 like I said earlier, it would have kind of crumbled and been far far less effective. Well, do you guys have any other wrap up thoughts? Yeah, I mean, like, I do want to say that we, we we should talk about real quickly just how amazing that cat is. Yes. <laughs> like, best supporting cat. Best supporting cat. I've long believed that we need an animal category at the Oscars, and this cat deserves... I mean, like, every cat that's worked with her. I mean, she's worked with a few cats. She works with two this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, but the cats would lose this year to uh, Jumpy the Dog from In a Valley of Violence. I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Actually, I just found out Jumpy the Dog is in Warren Beatty's new movie. Yeah. <laughs> I just saw that last night. Yeah. Okay. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Good for him. Well, I, I am, my only wrap up is that I, like I said before, I already came into this and left the film with a desire to see it again. Um, but talking with you both has is, is made that more of an imperative for me. You know, to, to try and get a better grasp on it and to see what else I can see just through the second viewing. So I, I guess my only final word would be thank you to, to you both for, for sharing your thoughts. Yeah, thank you for, for coming on and talking to us. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Um, of course. So Rob, where can we can you let our listeners know where they can find you online and social media? I am, well, like I said earlier, at uh, Film Critic at Film School Rejects. I'm on Twitter at Fake Rob Hunter. And Instagram at the same. I will find my only social media outlets. Erin, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter. Uh, my username is at Cinemabite, B-I-T-E. And you guys can find me on Twitter at Miss Britt Hayes. Uh, you can get more from Screen Crush on Twitter at Screen Crush News and follow us on Instagram and Snapchat at the username Screen Crush. And we'll be having more episodes every other week.